Welcome back, everyone, to this week's episode of Creating Magic Podcast. Now, I believe that the phrase we're going with for these is Stephen Goes Solo. Um, I don't know if Danny and I ever officially decided on that or if I just came up in conversation. So if that's not what your episode title reads for this one, then uh, just go with that. But regardless, I am so thrilled to be speaking today with one of my... I feel like longest probably is the right word because oldest implies that you're ancient, which let's be clear compared to me, I'm a spring chicken. You kind of are, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but I, I really, all, I am so thrilled to be joined by my really good friend, Alana. Alana, welcome to the pod. Thank you. I am so excited to be here. And hey, with, with age comes beauty, right? We'll, we'll go with that. I really hope that's true because I've been waiting <laughs> a long time for that. Um, oh God, that's, Yeah. So, so look, let's let's dive in. I want to start with our standard kind of introductory Potter questions, but I want to make sure I also spend a fair amount of time talking about you geographically, um, because that certainly is a relevant to the world we live in, but also be relevant to a lot of our friends here on the podcast. So definitely to start, uh, if you could introduce yourself just by talking through your house, your mm-hmm. Patronus, mm-hmm. and your favorite character, please. Absolutely. Um, so my house is a Hufflepuff. What's up? Um, I am a Hufflepuff through and through, though I will admit I do have some pretty solid Ravenclaw tendencies. Um, I'm kind of very, very bookish, very nerdy, have always been my entire life, but uh, my heart is full of Hufflepuff gold, and the place you will most likely find me is by the kitchens. So this that that's about right. Um, that tracks. Uh, my favorite character... I usually go with Neville on this one uh, because I have a lot of, you know, I have a lot of different reasons for loving a lot of characters. But for me, Neville represents a lot of what could have been. We all know he could have been the chosen one. We know he could have, uh, he could have died in many different situations throughout these books, um, and you know, he could have been the hero. And I think that that's important. But I also love that he, he too, kind of has a heart of gold. Um, I sometimes wonder if he wasn't meant to be a Hufflepuff or couldn't have been a Hufflepuff. Uh, but that's, that's typically kind of, I, I've got a soft spot for him. Uh, and oof, my Patronus, uh, I, I will admit I've taken the test a couple of times. I've gotten a couple of different answers. I got Ragdoll Cat at one point, which I could see, but doesn't necessarily fit, I don't think. Uh, but the one that I, I really kind of resonate with is, uh, it's called an Oryx. It's kind of like a, um, an antelope that lives out in kind of the plains of Africa, the Serengeti. Uh, what I like is that it, it is a female, um, it's a matri- matri- matriarchal. It's a society that is governed by females, which I think is really important. And uh, they are kind of, they're a pack animal. And they are very, very defensive of not only their pack, but also their children, which all, again, if you know me, if you know anything about me, all that tracks. Yes, I'm just gonna leave the whole matriarchal. <laughs> la, la, la. I'm, not, I'm just. I'm not gonna touch that. Look, I really want to. Uh, what yeah, I don't instead, leave it. It's okay. <laughs> what, what I said I'm gonna hone in on here is a couple different things you said, which is, right? You said that you're very protective of your pack, and then also you know, <laughs> two other tie-ins, right? So you go, you said you always can be found by the kitchens, and then you also said that you're a Hufflepuff, right? And if I were to try to describe the majority of my interactions with you from like the t- first time we met for like, you know, those first couple of years. So for the listeners, we met back when we both were in school. Mm-hmm. Um, Alana was, you were a senior when I was a freshman, right? That's right. I graduated in 13, if that helps. Yeah. So a senior. Yeah. Cause I yeah. was a freshman in fall 12. Yeah. Um, 
Alana was, of course, so I say, of course, you guys don't know our lives, you don't know this. So the reason I don't know that, like offhand, because Alana also worked at the school um, post-grad too, so Alana was around. But the point is... I just never left. She never left. <laughs> um, but the point is, the majority of the time I would see Alana was near the kitchens, because we always, my friend group and I, my fraternity that I was in, which is a whole other barrel of monkeys that we don't need to get into. I got to know Alana very well, A, quite literally hanging out by the kitchens. Mm-hmm. And then B, and more importantly, she was always from day one, even though I didn't know who the hell she was for like the first probably two or three months I knew her just because I was so wide I didn't understand who anyone was. She <laughs> was easily one of the sweetest people. And to this day, one of the most protective people that I've ever encountered. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I, I'm very much a mama bear when it comes to the people I care about. Um, and as a kind of a funny note, in addition to the fact that we always were hanging out kind of by the tavern where there's, you know, like, like you said, where all the food was, I actually also worked as a dining programs coordinator after school ended. Like, that's why I was still on campus. So I literally worked in the kitchens. Yeah, so like, yeah, there was no doubt I was a Hufflepuff from, from day one. No, and, and that's the thing is like, you know, a lot, a lot of we'll call them a lot of non Harry Potter people, right? Like the people who aren't necessarily in this realm full time, but people who you try to, you know, foist identities upon just through like, you know, friendship or whatever. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's hard to tell, right? Like some of our friends, right? Like, huh, well maybe they're that no, like through and through. You might have Ravenclaw things about you, but no, there's no doubt. Right, right. I, I appreciate that you also will will try to put people in houses like oh, almost immediately because that's that's exactly what my brain does is like I meet somebody and I'm like aha you are a Slytherin I'm okay with that but I at least I know oh yeah <laughs> look I I know that a lot of men I'm not gonna say all because we're not stereotyping men as a whole but a lot of men tend to initially judge a woman based on her superficial appearance that is not I I judge you upon qualities that I am foisting upon you with no knowledge of you and assuming which house you are. <laughs> honestly if we're looking at arbitrary ways to judge people i'm i'm okay with your way your way makes a lot more sense to me so yeah <laughs> um so let's transition out of that somehow so <laughs> let's i, I want to start really quick before we dive into your harry potter story just by briefly introducing you to our audience a little bit further and again like i said through a geographic context because um while you've been down there for a little bit, you're still pretty new to the Florida community. And yeah. this podcast has a dedicated Florida listenership. Um, I can think of one, two, three, if we include my co-host, Danny, who now lives in Florida, four. I, I can think of at least you know five or six kind of week-in, week-out listeners who are in the Florida area. Um, so tell us where you live, what that means for proximity to university proximity to Universal and Disney and uh, whatever else you want to say about the lovely state of Florida. <laughs> yeah. So uh, home is where the hot spot is. Uh, it oh. is, <laughs> it's uh, I moved to Florida. So again, context, I lived in Washington DC for about 10 years uh, prior to this, um, which is where I met Steven, where I went to school uh, prior to that. I grew up in Rhode Island. So I've just kind of been moving Southern down the East coast. Uh, eventually I guess I'll hit Cuba, which would be kind of cool. Um, but yeah, so I live in Florida. I live in a little town called Brooksville. Um, it is about an hour North of Tampa and about an hour and a half west of the Orlando area. Um, so we're, you know, my partner and I, uh, you know, prior to the, the big COVID uh, happening, 
we were kind of avid park goers. We have annual passes to Disney, Universal, and SeaWorld, and Busch Gardens through SeaWorld. Um, and uh, it was it was a regular occurrence. We'd go probably twice a month minimum uh, to the parks. And uh, we would visit, I mean, we were, we were regulars. I have four wands that I would use regularly. We would just go to do magic and then we would go home. Uh, so I've been here for uh, about two years now. It'd be two, holy crap, it'd be two years in September. Um, and yeah, I am, we are smack dab in the middle of all of the quarantine craziness amidst a state that is starting to open up. Although, um, to date, when we are recording this today, uh, Florida broke 15,300 cases, which is the highest recorded number of cases for any state at all, ever. So that's where I am. <laughs> yeah. So for context, right, I'm going to call out some of our amazing listeners. And this is not an exhaustive list, just the ones whose talents I happen to know um, in the Florida area, right? So no, this is not a shot. Anyone out there who's listening is like, Stephen didn't say where I live in Florida. No, look, I love y'all. Y'all are great. Um, but Danny literally just moved this past week to the Villages, which is up near Ocala. Mazel tov. I know exactly where that is. Yeah, she is. I think as we're recording, she is painting things. Yesterday, she de-popcorned her, her ceilings. Um, <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, she's painting. She's putting up plants and God knows what. Um, but yeah, so she's there. Uh, she's super thrilled to be living up there. Um, Amanda, uh, our good friend, starry-eyed one, is in, I want to say, Lake Dora. That sounds right to me. Mm-hmm. It's like a little bit due north of Orlando. Lake Dora, maybe Mount Dora. Yeah, I know. I know exactly. Yeah, I know roughly where you're talking about. Yeah, it, it, it looks like it's like 11 o'clock on the map from Universal. Um, Karina, I just sent her a package, so I really should remember the town in Florida that she lives in, but I know it's one of the Orlando, like, little suburbs or whatever. Okay, yep. Maybe maybe Lake Mary, that sounds right. Yep, that's, Um, yep. It's, it's right there. Um, and then Paula, whom, of course, I love with all of my beating heart, La Peluca de Harry, Unconceivable. Um, Paula just moved with her family up to the Orlando area. Um, she was down in South Florida. Of course, Chelsea Gryffindor Pinup, who who we also love here, she's down in in the Boca area. That's all yeah. to say, Dabby, look, Dapper Minister of Magic's in Florida. We have so many friends down there, um, and I'm really excited for you to get to know them, them to get to know you, um, and and to, to start palling around. Yeah, and full disclosure to anybody in Florida, um, I have two different Instagram handles. Uh, the easier one to find is the Disney Detail Diva, um, and that's kind of a little bit more of my like quote unquote professional one, if you will. Uh, but that all being said, please reach out to me. Please be my friend. I know I said I've been here for a couple of years, but uh, it's a little bit. It's a kind of a a sticky situation, if you will. Um, I I do live in Brooksville. I have a car, but I do not drive very often. Um, It is, full disclosure, a little bit of a fear of mine. So I don't, especially on I-4, I do not drive I-4. So it is a little bit more of a, hey, if you get me, you kind of get a package deal with my partner as well. But that being said, we're tons of fun. And uh, we, that also being said, like I said, I'm about an hour and a half away, but I love getting out of the house and I worked from home prior to COVID. So any opportunity to get out of the house uh, or just make a friend, especially in these times. So please feel free to come be my friend, come hang out with me virtually. It'd be great. So I think we've done our, uh, our due diligence and, and gotten through the, the Alana Florida advertisement here. So let's dig in. 
Um, let's let's start by talking about how Harry Potter first came into your life. Um, be it the movies, the books, whatever whatever stories, memories stand out. How how did you first encounter the series? Yeah. So the first time I remember hearing about Harry Potter was at a birthday party. Um, I was probably, I think we did the math. I think I was like seven or eight or right around there. Uh, and a friend of mine, uh, shout out to Leah. Uh, she had gotten the books and she was super excited because I think she just gotten the second one. And she was like, these are fantastic. They're about magic and mystery. And there's this boy and there's a snake. And I was like, I don't, at the time, uh, I wasn't really a big fantasy fan, so I hadn't really let a, re- like read a lot of, of of fantasy or anything along those lines. And so I was like, okay, this this does not sound like something I would like. Uh, but that was right when it was really starting to gain popularity in the U.S. So I uh, I vaguely remember. I think the following, it would have been Hanukkah, actually, because if because Leah's birthday is in October. So for Hanukkah, um, my aunt, uh, shout out to Helene and Peg. Helene and Peg got me uh, my first couple of Harry Potter books for Hanukkah. And I remember uh, reading the first two kind of right back to back and then being like, what do you mean I have to wait for more? What do you, what do you mean I have to wait for more? This is not, I had never really encountered a series that hadn't been completed yet. So I was like, well, I don't understand. What do you mean I have to, I have to wait for more of this amazing thing that I've discovered. Uh, so at that point was really when I started to reread the books obsessively, which is why my first set of Harry Potter books, I still have, they're in a Rubbermaid container in my mother's basement, uh, but they none of them have the bindings anymore. None of them are, are easily readable because they have just completely fallen apart with, with love, if you will. Yeah, I mine aren't that bad. Um... One, Sorcerer's Stone is very bad. Um, That's like my that, Goblet of Fire. Yeah. yeah. Like that one quite literally, like the glue and the binding that like kept the two halves of the pages together is just gone. So like I still have the the actual kind of bi- back binding, but mm-hmm. I have like two separate halves of pages all together inside. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned, I'm curious because I, I think, I know you, so I know this to be true, but you know, for the listeners, you know, I think we're similar in the sense that we weren't huge fantasy people growing up. I think things have changed so we've gotten older. Um, right. But what were you reading growing up? Like, what were you into kind of outside of Potter? Well, I was a voracious reader. I mean, I still am. Um, and quarantine has been lovely for that. I finished 17 books in two months, which is just, my Goodreads is so excited. They keep emailing me being like, we have more for you. We have so many things. And I'm like, I already have a stack. Please don't, please, I, I can't take any more. Um, but I was reading... Uh, I mean, I was reading things like The Babysitter's Club. I was reading things like Goosebumps. Um, I, I was a little bit of a creepy kid, so I loved things like Goosebumps, Are You Afraid of the Dark, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Um, what else? Are the Dear America series. And I actually really liked the My Name is America series, which were the kind of the boys version of the Dear America books, uh, because I liked the perspective from, from both sides. And I didn't really think, as much as I loved reading about all the girls, you know, 45 pages of petticoats, sometimes I need to balance that out with a, a good war story. Uh, so that was kind of really the majority of what I was reading. But I also uh, was very much that kid who would go sneak into my mother's bookshelf and read whatever I thought sounded good. So I definitely was reading things that I should not have been reading at nine or 10 years old. Um, the hours, middle sex, uh, this much I know is true books that are really meant for a much more mature audience. Um, but at least I, I was reading things and I acknowledge that I probably didn't understand a good 50% of those. So that's, that's probably okay. 
Yeah, I don't know what any of those titles were, but one had the word sex in it, so I'm just going to take a while <laughs> stab in the dark as to what that was about. Yeah. So uh, I'm curious, what what did, like, what were your, like, some of your original impressions of the series? Like, what what did it mean to you? Like, like what, what place, like, I, right, so coming from a background that isn't fantasy, right, it, it takes something to get into that series, right? Like, like, you can't just be like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to read it because it's the type of books I'm into, right? Like, what, right. what was it about Harry Potter the first couple times you were engaging with it and new to the series that, that really made it stand out? I think there were probably two kind of big things for me. Um, the first is that, well, and full disclosure, because I know 100% my family is going to be really excited and want to listen to this. I had a wonderful childhood. I had a loving, caring, amazing family. I know that I'm incredibly privileged and lucky to have that. Um, that all being said, I, I was bullied as a kid. I was, you know, I am, as Stephen knows, and for the rest of the world, um, I am four feet, 10 inches tall. Um, and I have not grown since I was about 11 years old. And I, uh, and up until about five or six years ago, I was very overweight. So I was, and I was the nerdy kid. I was everybody's friend, but I was also the butt of a lot of jokes. So to me, Harry was somebody that I could really relate to in the sense of, you know, he was, he was kind of a loner. Um, he didn't really know where he wanted to go or what he was going to do. I mean, I remember distinctly in the first couple chapters, him talking about how he might go to this school that's not the same one as Dudley, thank God, but he wasn't really sure what he's going to study and he wasn't sure he was going to even get the clothes for it. Um, all of that really kind of resonated with me in the sense of like, I, I didn't really have kind of a direction. Even as a young kid, I knew I wanted to have a direction, but I didn't know what that was. And so I, I really related to him in, in the sense of like that, that form of loneliness. Um, and then I think the second thing was in, in just kind of when he gets to the school and all of a the sudden there is this amazing, wondrous new place that is a hundred percent different from anything he's ever experienced. Um, I think that really called to me in a way in a sense of like, maybe that's something that I can look forward to. Maybe there is some grand school somewhere, proverbial, if you will, that I was going to end up at, um, or I was going to discover that would put me into a whole new dimension uh, that I wouldn't have to worry about being who I was at that time. Uh, and so I think that's, that's really what brought me in. Um, not to mention, I think just the sheer the sheer idea of like being able to perform magic again, since I'd never been a part of that world, all of a sudden being able to be like, Oh wait, I can just do a spell and like a bunch of books will appear. Or I get to study things like herbology or magical creatures. Like those are things that I absolutely just was like, these are, why can't I do that? Well, I didn't know that I didn't know I could do that. That's not fair. <laughs> you really threw me off with that answer because I was all keyed up and ready to go because you had mentioned a whole new world and I was going to start quoting that. But then towards the end of your answer, you said a part of that world and that put me into a whole nother Disney movie. <laughs> I mean, I do love Disney, so feel free to... <laughs> Look, you know, I'm just... Listeners, I'm sorry. I am off my game today. My puns are not coming nearly as quick. For context, I spent six and a half hours yesterday veering into 1230 in the morning Eastern time watching our good friends, Amy and Iana do their big fat live sale at big fat lanyards. Uh, it was a Harry Potter themed pin sale. Um, and yeah, I watched that for six and a half hours straight on my phone. So uh, the wit, the humor, 
the the flirtation that you usually expect from muggle and khakis is not necessarily there today. So look, you know, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody has those days. <laughs> See, I still got a reference in somehow. So Michael Miley, that's all that matters, right? I agree. I really appreciate, right, that you kind of put the caveat in of, like, you had a good childhood, right? Because um, I, I feel, I mean, for different reasons, but I feel similarly, right? Like, I, nothing was wrong with my childhood whatsoever. I have incredible parents, incredible family. I have great friends. I love your family. They're fantastic. Yeah, they're, they're, they're great people. I mean, like, month four of living at home with them, and that's a thing. But, uh, you know, they're great people <laughs> nevertheless. Um, but, no, like, for me, Harry Potter was always a form of escapism. But it wasn't escapism from anything bad. It was just... I personally am, am not creative enough or imaginative enough to come up with like, like, like kind of like the, the cliche story of like kids who can like build sand castles in their mind and like all this stuff could never do that. Never, ever, ever. Um, I should also point out that I'm an only child. Yeah. So, well, yeah, yeah. let me clarify. I, I do have an older brother. He's my, my father's son and he is a lot older than me. He's 21 years older than me. So like we didn't grow up in the same household. So that I think also probably played a big role is that like, as an only child, I really didn't have anybody to play with. And so I had to kind of find ways to escape. And having a book series that just so fully immersed you in a world that had nothing to do with your own was exactly what I needed. Yeah, 21 years age difference. That's like basically the difference between Danny and I. Um, <laughs> isn't Danny, isn't she my age? Is she, is I, she... I lo- she's older than you by a couple of years. Okay. Um, I love being able to take shots at people when they can't defend themselves. God, that is, that is so much fun. Um, it's weird being like the oldest because I very similarly at my job, I am, uh, I am older than, well, now I'm not, but for a very long time, I was older than almost my entire team. Um, and I am older than most of my best friends at work by like a couple of years. They're about your age, but like, it's still one of those things to be weird that I'm like, oh, that's right. I remember this particular TV show from the nineties that you were not even born for yet. That's uncomfortable. I had some call the other day. Oh my goodness. I had some call with, um, one of my mentees at work who, you know, is 22 or whatever, or only (laughs) four years younger than I am. Like not, not like an eternity of, of age. And I mentioned some TV show and he had no idea. Isn't that terrifying? Oh my goodness. Look, I always kind of feel old because like my, my bones are achy and my muscles <laughs> and my knees crack and I'm balding. And like, I've always kind of felt old, but that was bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when I talk to my nephews and I mentioned something, like I think this was many, many moons ago. So they probably don't even remember, but there was a time where I mentioned a floppy disk to one of my nephews mm-hmm. who are, um, I think they're 18 and 16 now. And they were like, what's that? And I was like, you know, the little save icon on your computer, you know how it looks like a little square thing. Those were actually something real once upon a time. You had to put them into the computer. And they were like, that seems like a waste of time. Why wouldn't you use the cloud? And I was like, I quit. (laughs) Oh God. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Cause I used those in middle school. I recall that that was a middle school thing. And then by the time I got to like eighth grade, it was kind of phased out because they had, you know, actual kind of cloud. Yeah. Storage. Um, so speaking of cloud-based storage, I don't know if that's, a, <laughs> I don't know how we fun transition. Out, let's, let's do it. <laughs> let, let's talk about favorites and least favorites throughout the series. So let's start with the easier ones, right? Just like no nuanced character kind of study, just like favorite book, least favorite book. I think my favorite book is Half-Blood Prince. And I think that my least favorite book is 
oh my goodness, that is such a hard decision. I, I, uh, I guess Order of the Phoenix? I'm going to go with Order of the Phoenix. I mean, it's, it's hard to pick one that I hate because I don't oh, hate any of them. But, like, <laughs> but I yeah. think that's the one that I read the most quickly and then was like, okay, what's next? Yeah, exactly. Right? Least favorite doesn't necessarily mean you dislike it. It just means the one that you're least inclined to return to. I feel very similarly about um, the, you know, I'm a, I'm a big Disney fan. One of my favorite movie franchises in the whole world is the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. And I, especially now that we've kind of given Johnny Depp some slight redemption, I had some, had some problematic fave issues there for a little while, but things are better. Um, that all being said, I feel the same way kind of about that second movie, the, the one in the middle, um, because it was actually meant to be, you know, the second and the third Pirates movies were filmed together right. and they were actually meant to be one movie. They just realized that there was far too much and they split it up. So the second movie is kind of like a, okay, we're giving you background. We're moving the plot along, but like there's no real culmination. And I think I feel the same way about um, order. The Phoenix It's like, there's a lot that goes on in that book and all of it's important, but it, it moves the plot. It doesn't solve the plot, if you will. So I am very glad that you mentioned pirates. Cause that is one of my favorite franchises to talk about. Yes. Um, because it's not, I don't, the movies themselves. Eh. Like, like they're not ones that are going to go down in pantheon of like classic Americana, right? Right, right. But every time they're on, or now that I have stolen Danny's Disney Plus account, I will watch them. I will watch yep. them because yep. jo- I love Johnny Depp's acting in the movies. Right, he's perfect. Leave at the door. Everything that's going on with Amber Heard, I'm not. I that that's a thing, and I acknowledge it. Strictly speaking, about what we're seeing on the screen when he's wearing the little. Uh, braided beard thing and and the hat and the hat yep um my hat um i love that it's a franchise i'm all about a good franchise but i like getting invested in a story um and i'm also super excited because there's new developments to talk about in the world of pirates so for a while since like 2017 really we've known they've been trying to develop another pirates movie that's been a yes uh, but because of all of the issues of legality and allegations and the media firestorms around Johnny Depp, that kind of got put on the back burner for a while. Not to mention that the last movie that came out did terribly in the box office. So they were kind of, yeah. Which was sad because it was actually out of all of the kind of like post big blow up with Amber Heard. That one was actually the best out of all of them. The yeah. last one, they resolved everything, which I really appreciated. Yeah, but that's all to say that had been in hold for a while. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, within like the past six months or so, there'd been a lot of talk about a new Pirates movie and how they were moving forward on a script. And that was great. And I was super excited. And yes. they weren't sure about Johnny Depp's involvement. And they're still not sure. And that's all well and good. But then on top of that, they announced an entire separate project. So now they're going forward with two Pirates projects. And this one, this other one, happens to star the love of my life, who I know listens every single week, Margot Robbie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, Margot Robbie is perfect. Um, can we side note about Birds of Prey for like a hot second? Because oh my I, God. I I don't know what I was expecting with that movie, but it was everything that I didn't know I was expecting. Um, and as a queer woman, I just stared at that movie. The, like I just stared at the screen and just for two hours with my jaw open was like, how do I either become them or marry them? Sorry, Hunter. I love you to death. You know that. Oh, Margot Robbie. <laughs> is she doing the pirate red? Is that, is that the, the project that they she's working on? Or is that the separate? Okay. It, it's going to be a new movie slash, I would imagine, series of movies under the Pirates franchise, but with a whole separate cast of characters. 
Okay. Yep. I see that. Okay. Yes. And I think the, I, th- I want to say the writer's name is Christina Hudson, the person who uh, led the Birds of Prey project, who is also, yes. yeah. Yep. Um, so oh man, that is that. such a good pairing. Yeah. I saw Birds oh, of Prey about six times in the theaters. No lie. It also sounds like they have some of the creators of Chernobyl in there, which I have not seen, but everyone I know that has seen it has said is phenomenal. So, all right. I have a lot of, I have a lot of positive, you know, cautious optimism for all of these, right? Yeah. So, so I'm anywho, always down for a pirate project. Yes. Th- that's all, that's, I forget how exactly we got onto this topic, but. Uh, we were talking about favorite books and why, what, oh, what drew. Um, oh, because two to three, five is a kind of like a, yeah, okay, got it. In between, that. yeah, yeah. So this also brings up a great opportunity for me to absolutely bash one of my favorite people who I already bragged on in this podcast, the ever lovely, incredibly funny, witty, older sister of mine, La Peluca de Harry, Paula at Unpensievable, who just told me yesterday that her favorite book is Order of the Phoenix. Really? And... I have no problem if you like Order of the Phoenix. If that's a book that you like, great. That's fine. But to call it your favorite book in the Harry Potter franchise above beautiful tomes of, frankly, art, like Goblet of Fire and Half-Blood Prince, Mm -hmm. and frankly, even a lot of Deathly Hallows is damn good. Yeah. Yeah. When they're not wandering in the woods, it's really good. Right. And... Look, I don't think Prisoner is the best book in the series, but I think a lot of the stuff that you get around the Marauders is phenomenal. It's I think a lot it's of a, backstory. It's, 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 a lot it's similar of, to Five. It's a backstory book that's a bridge book, and the only thing that's important is when Pettigrew escapes at the very end. The rest of it is all kind of filler leading up to that, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But to say that Order of the Phoenix is your favorite book out of all seven of these beautiful books. Oh, I'd be interested Paula. to hear why. Yeah. Oh, I'd be very interested to hear why. Um. That being said, I know for a fact that uh, my favorite, you know, not to switch franchises, but my favorite Game of Thrones book, and forgive me because it's been a long time and I had to kind of throw myself off of them after that 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 last season. I can't, we're, uh-huh. the season that shall not be named, we're not going to talk about it. Um, but it's the book, the one with the, the green cover that nobody likes. That's my favorite. Nobody likes it because it's Brienne goes for a walk in the woods for fucking ever, which is totally fine. But that's... That's my favorite book. So I get, I get having the unpopular fave, but I would be curious to hear why. And like, frankly, Paula might have discussed this on the episode we did with her that came out months ago now. But as the listeners by now, because I think this will probably be like episode 30 in your feed by mm-hmm. the time it drops, I black out when we record these things. And I don't remember a word of what I said. Like, for instance, we just dropped an episode uh, probably two weeks ago from the time you're hearing this in your headphones with um, really good friend Emily and her boyfriend James. Um, and Danny, who does the editing again, as y'all know, texted me the morning of and was like, what the hell did it, like, she just texted me like, Stephen, what the hell Mrs. Norris stuff were you talking about? And I'm like, frankly, I have no idea what you're, what you're talking about. <laughs> and she goes, you mentioned fanfic, Mrs. Norris, Filch and Pince. And I was like, look, I get where I'm going here, but I still don't know specifically. It could be a lot of different things. So that's all to say that there is an episode back there with Paula. Um, and I'm sure she talked about why she loves Order of the Phoenix, um, but I have no recollection. So a good note for the listeners, if you don't recall this episode of Paula, good time to go back, subscribe, and start from episode one of the Creating Magic podcast. Which also as a side note, Paula, please be my friend. Um, and also uh, a shout out to James Manning, because I have not seen his stupid face and I don't even know how long and I miss him. So James, if you're listening, please text me. He's not. I know he's not. But if he was, please text me. Clifton's coming to visit me next weekend, actually. 
Clifton. Oh, I adore Clifton. He was what always I, one of the good ones. He was. Um, what I will say about Paula um, is y'all will get on very well. Um, Please be my friend. <laughs> like she, I actually, already follow you. Please be my friend. Astoundingly well. Um, and, and she just moved to the Orlando area. She was down mm-hmm. in South Florida for a while. Like literally like last month, she moved up to Orlando, somewhere in Orlando. Um, so that's all to say that you should be best friends. You all should be best friends. Um, look, not to brag on myself here, but the other month, which is a kind of, no, well, we didn't talk about favorite and least favorite movie. All right, very quick, give me your favorite and least favorite movie that I want to transition to a fun point here. Okay. My favorite movie is probably probably the last one just because I, I I'm a big movie nerd too. So for me, it's not just about the, the nostalgia of the movie and the characters and the story itself. It's a lot about the, the actual production of the film. And so the, the last one is, I would argue probably one of the best. And you're cool with that massive thousand person Voldemort army that somehow comes out of nowhere. I mean, that was just one of those things where I was like, Holy fuck that editing. All right. All right. I see you guys. Okay. Uh, sure. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 one of those things. I'm like, I don't, I, I, the story, I see it, I get it. You're not, again, I think, and we've had this conversation before too. So if we want to tangent into this, we totally can, but we don't have to. I, I am one of those obnoxious snobs who needs to separate the books from the movies because I can't see them as the same product. Otherwise, I get annoyed and I will start to nitpick every single teeny tiny thing that is not in the books. So to me, when we look at the movies as a separate franchise, I think I like the last one best. Um, if we want to talk about like actual quality and actual true to books, I would say closer to like maybe the third or the fourth movie. Um, those make me feel a little bit better. And like that, that whole fist fight that they have, yeah. he's like, let's yeah. begin this, let's end this the way we started it together. And they kind of like grab heads. And, yeah. and Actually, I would say, you know what? I'm changing my answer because is it, is it Azkaban that, uh, that Hermione punches Draco? Uh-huh. That one. Because that that moment itself, that is all that is that is what sells it for me. That that's the game right there. And least and, favorite, and and again, least favorite. You certainly you can have one you dislike, but again, we can qual- qualify it by saying maybe the one you're not returning to most frequently. Probably Chamber of Secrets. Yeah, that's fair. It's just, I mean, it's a good movie. It's just they're really young still, so that in itself, it, it's hard for me to kind of to connect there nowadays, just as an adult. Um, but also. I think for me, Chamber gives me kind of like, it sounds weird to be like, it gives me this feeling of dread, but it gives me this, this feeling of like, they're, they, it's this big invisible bad, right? And that's, that's the whole idea of the book. That's the whole concept of the, the Chamber of Secrets is that there's this thing, they don't know what it is, it's invisible and it's terrible. And while I love that, and I love kind of those, those types of stories, like that's my favorite kind of ghost story, the creepy stuff that you don't know anything about. Um, I think the juxtaposition of that in a story where like, it's a bunch of kids that I want to try to relate to throws me off a little bit. And so watching it on screen just makes me be like, Oh, this is just a bunch of kids who are terrified and I don't love that. Okay, cool. Yeah. I agree with all that. That's great. I, I like when the guests come on and agree with the host. That's really the only reason I do this <laughs> podcast in the first place. So I'm going to save my humble brag for a little bit later. That'd be a whole nother segment we can do. Let's, let's dig a little bit further in here on the movies. So Slightly more nuanced questions, right? So, um, of, of, I don't want to use the word primary because I, I don't necessarily mean the main characters, but of kind of like the core stable of characters that we get throughout the movies, right? So everyone from Radcliffe as Harry down to, I don't know. Um, like Filch in them, like that kind of level? Yeah, right. Okay. Like, like 
people who don't just have lines, but like are around enough to where you get a sense of their embodiment of the character. Yeah. Uh, who is the most egregious to you and who is your favorite? I, I mean, egregious. I'm, there's so many fucked up people in these books, man. Um, I'm going to go, I mean, Umbridge, let's just go with Umbridge because I mean, Umbridge is this, Terrible. I should clarify. I should clarify. Yes. I should clarify. Yes. This is yes. that was a bad question by the host. I apologize. I okay. meant which acting performance oh. is the most egregious. Ver- yeah, Umbridge is the worst. Umbridge is worse than Voldemort. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. I was like, I was like, I was like trying but, to whether like, like, like Filch, like, Umbridge, who's terrible. Everybody's terrible. Right. Like Voldemort kind of has this predestination thing that's got he's got going on for him that kind of doesn't yeah. save him from being the worst, but yeah, from being the worst. Whereas Umbridge fully opts in. Whole different. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In terms of the acting and the acting performances and, and the choice of, of casting and all that, right? Who was like, this is exactly who I pictured from the books versus, okay, this, we could, we could change this. Okay. Um, Hagrid was perfect. Hagrid was exactly what I needed. Um, Ro- uh, Robbie, I can't think of his last name. Uh, he's Coltrane. phenomenal. Thank you. He's, and I've seen him in, in other things and in everything he's perfect, but he just, he fulfills that warm kind of gruff but still really cuddly kind of haggard that's loyal to a fault and caring to a fault that I think you know and I always think of the like whoops shouldn't have said that shouldn't have said that like that to me is the embodiment of haggard and nobody else could have pulled that off um in terms of egregious I mean I feel like this has been covered a lot on this podcast, but I also feel like it is something that just is, it just, it is, is I, I think I really wish that they had recast Ginny. I think they could have done a much better job with that. And I love the, I can't think of her name. Forgive me. Bonnie Wright. Thank you. Bonnie Wright is, she's beautiful. She's smart. She's an incredible actress. And I love the interviews I've heard with her. I think they could have found somebody that had that could have with the terrible lines that they gave her and the terrible acting you know bit that they gave her there there are other actresses i think maybe that could have done more with that um and just like humble suggestion i i don't know if the age range would have matched up because i think she's probably actually a little bit too old for the role but like karen jillian would have been perfect just throwing that out there I can hear in my head. I can hear Paula. I can hear Mari and Pinedo Nine. Hola, we miss you. We love you. You're at Universal right now, actually, which oh. uh, envious. Um, I can hear them shouting at me through Instagram, being like, "Please don't go on another Bonnie Wright acting versus <laughs> producer choice rant." So I'm not going to. Um, okay, cool. Um, and shout out to Mari, by the way, um, who is someone who I met through you. That was um, my humble brag. That was your humble brag. Throw it out. <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, back in early June, back when the Universal uh, Orlando first reopened, uh, Alana was heading out there and Mari was flying down. I believe she lives in Maine. Does that sound right? That sounds right. I want to say it was maybe somewhere more Southern, but either way, it was, it was not from here. She lives up north. And I don't know why Maine's yeah. the state that keeps coming in my head. Maybe because it's like an M thing. Anywho, that's all I'll say. She was coming down for the, for a trip. And um, also one of our really good friends of the pod, uh, Meg, who has like 13 Instagrams, Captain Omegrica, Magical Magnagerie. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's one or two others who I'm forgetting. Raven Classy, that sounds right to me. Yeah. Uh, anywho, she is a Disney employee um, who 
whom I love dearly and who is incredible. And she was also going to the parks. So that's all to say. I'm just saying, y'all, I made the connection happen and they became friends. And that was we that. did. We actually all met up at one point. Um, Mari and I had kind of, once we realized we were going to be there at the same time, we, we planned on meeting up. Um, I had been there for um, the pass holder kind of preview days and the very first day that the park had opened. My very wonderful partner had also snagged us a hotel room for my birthday, which was the next week. Bow, so. Bow, bow. <laughs> Well, there's a whole other story about how we actually had some people crash the night that we were there. So that's Ooh, that's a whole other story for a whole other a day. Group bounce <laughs> No, 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 no. But it was it was a very it was a hilarious night. Um, but we met up with Mari, and we uh, and we actually we did run into Meg. We were we were just outside of Diagon Alley, and she walked by, and she had a very distinctive Ravenclaw dress, which was beautiful on. And I saw her, and I was like, Oh, that dress looks like that girl that I'm supposed to meet up. Oh my God, hang on. So I just started shouting and I was like, wait, you're Steven's friend. Cause I couldn't remember her name. I'm so sorry. And she turns on, she's like, oh yeah. Hi. So we ended up hanging out. And actually, if you want, I'll send you over the picture if you want to put it up on the pod. So that way you can shamelessly humble brag even more. Yes. Uh, we took, we took a photo so we all could, and we sent it to you and you were so excited. <laughs> oh, that was great. That was absolutely great. Um, so that's all to say that I'm pretty awesome. Um, really Absolutely. all of that story and has great people to make friends. He, you know what? Steven picks good friends and they're all good people to be friends with. This is what I'm learning. That is true. Although, <laughs> uh, James and Clifton did come down to Tampa to spend a weekend with me a couple of years ago, back when I was living there. And, um, they met one of my work friends who's, I'm really close with, and she's incredible and she's lovely. And after the weekend, she said, you know, like, uh, I don't know how I feel about that. I was like, yeah, I get that. I look, I, I I get it. To be fair, and this this means that now James has to listen to this podcast because when I first he uh, I was uh, he, he hasn't he hasn't texted me back. He's like, I listen to the podcast. Um, James and Ian, who is also one of my absolute mm. best friends. Um, James and Ian, when I first met them, fun fact: this is a story that not many people know. Uh, I did not like them at all. Uh, because we were playing a, I believe we were playing either Never Have I Ever or Cards Against Humanity uh, oh, at one of the one of the off-campus apartments and Samoa. No, it was. Um, um, oh my God, what's the, the ice box? That ice box. The we were ice, in the ice box. box. Context: the uh, apartments that uh, most of the guys in the fraternity that Stephen was in lived in were all had like nicknames in this apartment. This was called the ice box, I believe, because it had two mini fridges or something like that. I have no uh, recollection. Who the hell knows? But two of my best friends lived there, so I was there constantly. And they had invited some of the guys over, and I don't remember what they said. It doesn't matter now because both of these boys are much more woke and mo- much more mature than they were when they were nineteen. Um, but they said some shit that pissed me off, I'm sure. And I remember distinctly saying to Jason, I don't like them. Get them out of here. I don't want them here. And now they're my best friends. So here we are. <laughs> my my one memory of that, it's, look, we didn't live in, I mean, look, we had, the apartments were all fine. It wasn't like there was like wallpaper peeling off the walls or anything, but like we didn't, we didn't have nice digs by any stretch of the imagination. My only not my only one of my strongest memories of the icebox was I was hanging out there on like a Tuesday afternoon with some people. Yeah. And I got a text from one of the residents of that apartment who was not there at the time. I don't know where he was, but he wasn't there. Uh, mm-hmm. Ken Notter. And oh, Ken. Yep. He, I, I was a freshman. I was new to the fraternity. So, you know, everything's kind of like wide eyed, you know, and mm-hmm. he texts me and says, Hey, want to drive to West Virginia to buy fireworks? This sounds like, about right to me. I was like, when? He was like, now. It's like, it's like 3 p.m. on a Tuesday, man. Like, <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about? 
Um, so yeah, I didn't do that. Um, nope. But look, anywho, that's a memory that has no place on a Harry Potter podcast. So <laughs> let's dive back in. Uh, yeah. Henry Lane and into, into Privet Drive. Boom. Segwayed. There you go. Let's talk a little bit about, again, on the topic of the movies, some of the things I, I know, like you said, you and I have talked about this a lot. Some of the things that are different between the books and the movies and and what stands out. And to be fair, usually I only highlight the things that I dislike because, well, it's more fun to talk about, uh, you know, convergence than divergence. But let's yeah. talk about some of the positive things. What are some of the things that the movie does, that the movies do? Um, yeah that are different from the books that you particularly enjoy? I think one of the biggest things, and I know that a lot of people actually dislike this, but I actually appreciate that they put a lot of the characters um, in quote unquote muggle clothing um, or in like dressed down clothing. Because like, yes, it is very clear, especially in reading the books that like wizards have no idea what the hell to wear, when to wear it and how to wear it. But that being said, there are clear instances where they are wearing muggle clothing most of the time. I mean, it's not necessarily explicitly stated, but look at what the kids wear to the, the World Cup. You know, look what, the, what, the, what they bring when they are wandering around in the woods for a bajillion years. They're wearing muggle clothing because that's something that they have and that they're exposed to. And I, I like to think that, you know, these kids who are going to a boarding school, like, yes, of course, they have their full uniforms that they have to wear. And of course, they have to wear like their quote unquote, like, the, you know, the dress down uniforms to class. That's, that actually makes sense to me. And I'm pretty sure that's actually fairly accurate to most English boarding schools, if I remember correctly. So like, you're not wearing your full garb all the time, but you are dressed to the school. And that being said, when they're off campus, when they're at Hogsmeade, when they're punching Draco in the face, they they can wear whatever they want. And and as someone who went to a summer camp, that's exactly how I think of it. Is like when we were had our off times, you wore whatever the heck you wanted. Yeah, that was one of the changes. I know Alfonso Coron came in for Azkaban, and he of course changed the entire kind of thematic visual palette of the movies. But one of the big changes he made was was loosening. The, the dress code quite literally, right? Everything from you can wear pink jumpers and jeans, but also, hey, when you're wearing your dress robes and your school attire, you can wear it how you would choose to wear it, um, which is very true to British boarding school culture, um, as I understand it, because I am an Anglophile and I have spent many, uh, many a night reading books and accounts and memoirs and things. I actually spent a summer living at a British boarding school um, mm, and that, that. oh yeah it was great best best not best summer of my life that's a stretch I've had some good summers it was a really good experience um, I was just gonna say can I shamelessly plug a book I just read that oh, is plug away okay let me find it it is called what's the name of this series Harry um, Potter is the name of this series that is correct um the, this the series whole podcast that we're doing it's about <laughs> Harry Potter <laughs> guy scar Black yep, hair the, goes the everywhere. The, the, yep, she's there, got the bushy there, hair there, and the, the, the redhead. The, the ginger the, friend, right? And then there's right. the there's the, the guy without the nose and, and the, the, the killing and Wait, not to not to tangent for my tangent, but I'm gonna tangent for my tangent for a second because uh for my birthday I got two different Harry Potter Lego sets. Thank you, mom. Thank you, Hunter. I'm so excited. Um, but I think it's hilarious because they have a little coral, but if you take his little turban off on the other side of his head, it looks like Voldemort and it is the funniest thing I've ever seen. And I a hundred percent when I was building the kit lost my mind when I saw it because like this is the level of detail that I appreciate, let me tell you. Um, but yes, the book series that I just finished, it's called Shades of London. Um, there's 
three books right now with maybe possible rumors of a fourth unclear. Um, but basically it takes place in a London boarding school. It's a girl from Louisiana who moves there because her parents are professors or something. And there's ghosts, there's magic. It's really cool. Um, I can't recommend it enough. I read the books in like two days. So awesome. Shameless plug for another English boarding school book. Yeah, and Danny, who tirelessly edits this thing after I'm done rambling, will go and find the author and or publishing house and tag them. And we will give them some free publicity to all the thousands of listeners of Creating Magic. That's Yay! Um, okay, so look, we did one positive thing. I think that's enough. We'll get to the negatives. Um, <laughs> what, and I know you've listened to the podcast. I know most people who listen to this aren't brand new to it, so y'all will have as well. But like my ground rules for this are like, you know, some things like you just have to cut out. Like I get it, right? The The movie is told or the books are told through Harry's POV. So you get in his head a lot. You can't do that in the visual format. On board. I, I understand how those changes have to be made. Some things just you don't need, right? When you're going from a book to a movie, I get it. Then there are the things where it's like, well, why did you have to go and do that? Like this would have made the movies better. It, it, they're missing it. What, let's talk about those. What are some of the things that stand out for you as like, ah, Jesus. And yeah, so one of the things that I, I, that really bothers me and it's such a, it's such a little thing too. And again, like you said, I totally get that. It's something that like they they had to cut out, but contextually it's stuff that I think maybe not necessarily necessary, but like is really helpful as you're trying to navigate this seven book, eight movie series. Um, One of the things is that there's, there's not a lot of explanation and backstory into the history and, and kind of the knowledge of ghosts in the series. So like, you, you know, when, when we're in, you know, movie eight and there's all this stuff about the, you know, the diadem and we're talking about the ghost or Rowena Ravenclaw and her daughter and like all of that. And the gray lady, like it, they talk about it a little bit in the movies, but they don't go into it in the level in the books. And I think that that, that loses some value for me. Um, you know, it makes it really hard to, to, as someone who, you know, as someone who's read the books, I already know this. I have that context as someone who's watching the movies. If it was my first time, if I had never had any understanding of that, I would not, I would be kind of lost for a little while. You are the first person on the podcast to, to have mentioned that. That's really fascinating. Look at me. <laughs> well, it's funny because right as you say it, I'm like, oh, you're a thousand percent right. Like thinking about the story of the Albania woods and how it all ties in. Yeah. I just, I li- quite literally have goosebumps right now because that's a really good call out. And like even something as simple as like, and maybe they do mention this in the movies and maybe I just totally missed it. But like I went down a hole probably two weeks ago trying to figure out about how, um, Nagini, Nagini, however, I mean, again, I read the books before I saw the movies, so I don't know. Nagini, how Nagini uh, possessed the body of, is it Bertha Jorkins? Or it's, Mm -hmm. it's, yeah. I, for some reason, like, I had to go back down a book. No, no, not Bertha Jorkins. No, 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 no. no, 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 it's uh, Bethilda Bagshot. (laughs) Bagshot. I had to, right, I had to go into this whole, because I didn't remember the whole thing about the Albania Woods. I had to go all the way back and, like, figure what the hell out that, and uh, to be fair, I went down a hole to try to figure out, um, more about Nagini in general. Cause I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm actually more interested in this and 45 minutes later. But all that being said, as someone who watched the movies, like that was the whole thing. I watched the, the last movie and it had been a really long time since I had seen the movies or the books. And I was like, wait, what the fuck? How, how is 
How is she possessed? Where where did she get? How did the? When did this happen? What book did this happen in in the past that I don't even know I knew about? You know what I mean? Like that was not there for me to to kind of put together, and it 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 was confusing, and it almost set me back. It took me out of the world, which I didn't appreciate. See, those are two very fascinating answers. I think one of the more common answers we get, and that doesn't devalue at all. I think it's an incredibly shameful. It's not the right word, but it's a shame that it's not included in the movies more is the Marauder backstory and yeah. the nuance of what makes the Marauders and, and all of yeah. that. Um, that is fascinating. Huh. <laughs> Food for thought, if you will. So that's actually a really nice transition point. Uh, you mentioned Nagini. Um, what, how do you feel about the Fantastic Beasts franchise? I'll ask it through two different lens. Um, first, you know, there's two movies kind of on screen so far. Thoughts on those. And how, how do you feel, what do you feel, do you feel um, about the future of the franchise and, and where it seems to be heading, where you'd like it to head, any sort of thoughts about the remaining three iterations of the, of the franchise? Yeah, um, I, full disclosure, I love the Fantastic Beasts movies. Um, I was a little bit slow to the, to the game. I was late to the game. It took me, I think I saw the first one, you know, less than a year ago. It was, you know, not, not that long ago, but that being said, I, I always maintain that care of magical creatures would be my favorite class. Um, and I maintain that I, I very much, I understand Newt Scamander in a lot of ways. I know a lot of people kind of see him as, as being kind of standoffish. A lot of people actually indicate they think he might be um, possibly on the spectrum, which absolutely makes sense. And I could 100% see. Um, but there is something about him and the way that he loves and cares and appreciates those animals that really speaks to me. Um, I, I, I went to zoo camp as a kid, like for the first, you know, five, six years of my life. And I, uh, I thought I was going to be a veterinarian for a long time. I'm a vegetarian. I am not allowed to go into animal shelters because I am Leslie Nope in that scene where she adopts all the dogs and Ben walks in and she's like, hi, honey, I made pancakes. I also adopted 35 dogs. That's me. So all that being said, I love, I love these movies. Um, and I, I, I'm not really sure why there's five of them, but I'm not necessarily going to complain about that yet. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, and, you know, with the future of the franchise, uh, kind of talking about the, you know, the Magical Creatures movies and the Fantastic Beasts movies, sorry, and the um, the kind of, kind of looping in the idea of Epic Universe and kind of what that's going to look like. I am, I like to use the phrase cautiously optimistic. Um, I, you know, I have a lot of love for the series and I love that it is evolving past what it was. I think that's really important. Um, but I'm cautiously optimistic just because, um, when with new direction, there's always kind of, you know, new chances to fail. And I, that sounds terrible, but what I mean is that, um, when you have a world that has been established, even though it's growing, there are people who are going to poke holes and say, that's not right that's not correct. That's not going to fit. I don't understand how that's part of it. And I don't want to look at that through that frame or that lens. I want to look at it as an opportunity for us to learn more about this world that was created for us um, and give it an opportunity to grow into something so much more and so much more beautiful and powerful. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with any of that, right? I think the the common critique, which again, I think is fair, but I think it's kind of very, you know, 
it's a fad to say, right? Like the McGonagall inclusion, right? That's where I, to your point about, about kind of the Nagini backstory in Deathly Hallows, right? That takes me out of the story, right? Like, okay, she shouldn't be here. Like I'm a Harry Potter freak. I know she was born in the thirties. What is she doing in, in the eighties as a snake? No, 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 sorry, I'm talking about McGonagall, right? Oh, well, oh, okay. Okay, the Nagini thing I get, though, because that's the whole Maledictus thing, that at least, right. that, I, I don't I don't know how she goes from being, hypothetically, at least as far as we can tell, like, anti-Grindelwald and kind of just like this friend of Credence to being Voldemort's snake. That's a whole, I'm curious this to see is, how that comes together. But, that's the hole I went down. I was right. trying to figure that out, and it was just, it didn't work. Trust but me, I, if anybody I, wants to try it, I didn't get there. I understand the maledictus thing, right? But on the McGonagall point, right, like, things like that, like, the the inconsistent, the, the canonical inconsistencies, that, yeah. so far, is what's been taking me out of Fantastic Beast. I'm totally cool yeah. with world expansion. I'm totally cool with seeing different cultures of magic and, and different things like that. I think Nomad is a stupid name, but I'm here for it. Like, I, <laughs> I, 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 I get it, right? Like, like I grew up in the South and I say, y'all, my parents are from New Jersey, say you guys. Right. Different words for the same thing. I get it. I might not like it, but I get it. Um, but I'm, cautiously optimistic is fair, especially considering for me at least, right? The gang's back together, right? So JKR uh, wrote these things, the first two kind of on her own, right? Hmm. She, she wrote them. Um, and she's bringing back Steve Clove, or I have to imagine Warner Brothers probably forced it on her more than anything, but Steve Cloves and the original gang and Heyman and all them, like the Good. core Potter group is back together, which I think uh, posits a better viewing experience for the super fans for mm-hmm. three, four and five. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, cool. But generally speaking, we like Newt um, here for Dumble Daddy all day long. Jude Law. Oh, yeah. Jude Law could fuck me up. Um <laughs> Right, like he could do just absolutely horrible things to me, and I'd be here for it. And honestly, I mean, I know he looks real creepy in this movie, but it's still Johnny Depp. Listen, I fell in love with that man when I was like nine years old, which I know is creepy, but like, let's be honest, everybody's got that weird crush when you're nine years old. Um, I had posters of him from pirates all over my walls, and so seeing him, yeah, exactly, the like drunk. Um, although side note, you'll appreciate this. Anytime that, uh, we get off of the Hulk, uh, at universal, we do the, the drunk Johnny Depp walk, because that's truly what, how you feel when you get off of the Hulk, you need like a minute to, to collect yourself and remember which, which way is up. You so, get rid of the rum. Where, yep. Where's the rum? Mr. Gibbs. Why is the rum always gone? <laughs> Why is the rum always gone? Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned, I actually really appreciate now, you're just, it's like you've done this podcast with me before. You've had some natural <laughs> transition points baked into the, the conversation here. So you mentioned both Universal, talking about yeah. the Hulk, Incredible Hulk, and then you just mentioned yeah. before that Epic Universe. So you are, and this is one of the things that I didn't necessarily know about you before, like back when we were friends in DC, because it wasn't relevant, but now that you live in Florida, you are a park junkie, and I love it. So I... Let's start with Universal, I suppose, and then we can talk about Disney afterwards. Carte Blanche, talk to me about what you love about Universal, what could be improved about the Universal experience. If you want to touch on things since COVID, you're more than welcome to, although certainly no one's forcing you to. Um, And all things about the current Universal parks. Yeah. I love Universal, as 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 evidenced. Um, I have a, a past, like I mentioned. Um, I back when I was a kid. Uh, let me 
context a little bit here. Uh, my family is, we're all huge Disney fans. We've been Disney fans since I was a child. The first time that we came to Orlando, I was 20 months old. Um, there are very adorable pictures on the internet of me and all of the Disney parks and all of that. Um, but that being said, we did also appreciate Universal. And I re distinctly remember going there as a kid. Um, I remember being terrified of most of the rides. Um, like I refused to go on Twister. I refused. I remember the line for Twister. I remember going through kind of like that broken house. I hated it. Um, I hated Jaws. Oh my God, I was terrified of that ride. Um, and to this day, as a fun aside for anybody who does happen to become my friend and travel to the Universal Park, it is a tradition for me to flip off Bruce every single time that we are there because I am so sick of him scaring me as a child. Um, but that being said, as a whole, I absolutely adore the Universal Parks, especially nowadays as an adult. Um, I grew up with a lot of the things that make Universal Universal without even realizing it. So Men in Black are some of my absolute favorite movies. So the fact that I could go shoot a bunch of aliens uh, was, you know, I, I didn't realize that until I came back down here as an adult. Um, Having okay, so Universal. I mean, I the fact that it's set up with you know in in sets of you know old school Hollywood and you know L.A. and and San Francisco and these are all things that when we when we talk about Disney, I you know my favorite park is Hollywood Studios for the same reason. I like that kind of old school Hollywood kind of feel, and and Universal gives me that the minute I walk in. Um, but one of the big things, as you know is universal I, as a Disney. I love you more than anything in the whole world, except maybe Hunter, but universal has better roller coasters and I am a very large adrenaline junkie. So, you know, when we talk about, you know, I know we have a shared love for rip ride rocket. Um, I know that when we talk about the Hulk or when we talk about even the, the scary one that drops you, which I was terrified of. Um, I've never done that one. I, I oh, that so I the first time I did that was the first time that I went to the parks with Hunter. It was like five minutes for the parks closed and there was no wait. So we decided to get on. And of course, we get the one that has like a broken seat next to me. And the attendant, you know, the the the, the team member realizing that I am kind of nervous about this because I obviously was kind of you could I, I wear my feelings on my sleeve, uh, turns to the other team member and goes, Hey, I know that three's broken, but we checked four, right? Which is the seat that I was sitting in. And Hunter loses it. And I'm like, you jerk. And of course, that's of course when the ride pops you up. So um, that all being said, I'm not afraid of that ride anymore because I survived it. Um, but yeah, Universal to me very much is, is the opportunity to see the things that as an adult, I didn't realize I appreciated as a kid. Um, I was very much, like I mentioned, a creepy kid. So all of the things like Beetlejuice wandering the parks, I find him every single time I'm there. I dress in full Beetlejuice garb most of the time. Um, the horror makeup show is one of my absolute favorite things. And actually, when we did go back, so again, excellent transition. We did, in fact, go back to the parks uh, for the first couple days that it was open. Uh, we went for, uh, and, and it was different. It was, it was weird. Um, not necessarily a bad weird, but different. Um, you know, when we, when we rode the mummy, we watched them wipe down the seats and load every other row. Um, same with the Hulk, wipe down the seats, every other row, the horror makeup show, they seated people every two seats. There was spaces, um, you know, with the, the, I think the horror makeup show is probably the best indication because they like the hosts, you know, they didn't, they didn't touch the volunteer, um, and they were wearing face shields and like, it was again, different, but it was still the nostalgia that I love. Um, and one of the things that I truly love about 
universal. And I know that this is not your favorite thing in the whole world, Stephen, but I love the Halloween Horror Nights. Um, it is, <laughs> and for everybody listening, Stephen is making a face. <laughs> it is terrifying. Um, and it is wonderful. And I love getting the pants scared off of me. I didn't know that until I moved down here, but we get, you know, we get season passes. We run through the houses. There are rumors that there's going to be a Beetlejuice house and there might be another Stranger Things house and there might be a Bride of Frankenstein house. So all of these things are things that I love. And that, that all of that just makes universal what it is for me, even outside of Harry Potter. That's not, that's before I even start talking about Harry Potter. <laughs> so let me, I, I, before we talk about Potter, let me just say, when I go to a theme park, I try to go for the themes of blissful enjoyment and happiness and, and euphoria. <laughs> I don't go, and I'm quoting here, to get the pants scared off of me. I get that at Disney. I, ha- I get to have the, all of the whole <sighs> range of emotions at all of the parks. <laughs> like I, you're hooked on this Halloween Horror Nights thing. Chelsea Gryffindor pinup is too... It's oh, just, good. Let's go. Uh, oh, Chelsea God will be willing, there. Let's go. Chelsea loves Beetlejuice, and Chelsea loves oh. being scared, and Chelsea loves cosplaying and all this stuff that I don't fully understand because I don't know any of this world, but it's all scary, and like she does the whole pinup dresses, and there's blood, makeup, and it's a thing. It's terrifying. Um, <laughs> Chelsea, you are a beautiful, lovely human, but it is terrifying. Um, oh, Jesus. So, yeah, let's talk about the wizarding world of Harry Potter. Um, and what what stands out for you, right? Like when you're when you're going to either Islands of Adventure or, or Studios, right? Like when you're walking in the Diagon or Hogsmeade, right? What are the things that like are top of your list every time to go check out, to see, to do, to experience? Yeah. Um, well, I just, I also want to just say, uh, you know, I, I've been, I've been, like I said, I've been going to the parks for a, a very long time, very frequently. I'm very lucky to be able to do that. Um, even when I didn't live here and I, I experienced Hogsmeade first, of course, as most people did, because that was the one that was built first. Um, so for me, I prefer to start at Diagon Alley because I love the fact that you are truly immersed. You know, you're not, you're not here in Jurassic Park from the other side of you. You're not walking in, you know, next to Atlantis. You are truly walking through and being fully a hundred percent immersed. And I, something about that to me just really puts me in such a, such a good place. Um, so things that I, I usually, I have to hit up. I love going into the, you know, the, the, the menagerie with the animals. Again, I love, I love seeing all of that. I usually will end up picking up a stuffed animal being like, please, can I buy it? And the answer is almost always no. Cause we have too many stuffed animals anyway. Um, then I would say uh, we almost always have to see Celestina. Uh, she is just a true gem. And uh, the show, I will say, is a little bit different now. She doesn't really go into the audience. Of course, she can't. But she does go up. So she'll kind of disappear, go up those stairs, and she'll sing from the balcony. And I have such beautiful photos of her singing. And it's just, yes, it's it's not the same. She doesn't go into the audience and make fun of some guy. That's okay, though, because her voice is still beautiful and she's still singing all the songs that are really fun and kind of dirty, which is hilarious to me. Um, <laughs> and from there, um, I would say, you know, I, I have a lot of, so I, full disclosure to everybody, I have a lot of issues when it comes to sugar. I cannot do a lot of sugar. So I can't quite do a full butterbeer by myself, but that being said, I'll usually find somebody to split one with me. And at that point, I like to ride the train over. Um, you know, I'll do Gringotts if the line's not too long. It's, it's kind of, for me, it's hit or miss. Um, but I'll take the train over because I like going through platform nine and three quarters. I think that is just the most clever, subtle little thing 
that you can really literally disappear. Um, and so that, that usually, again, sets me up, puts me into the world, gets me on the train and I'm ready to go to the world. That's maybe not as secluded, not as isolated, but still puts me in the, puts me in the zone, if you will. Um, and then when I'm over there, I mean, if I can get on Hag Ride, I will get on Hag Ride. Um, it has, I've, I've managed to ride it, I think either four or five times now. Um, and every time it just gets better. You see something, you figure out something and it, it, it makes it more interesting. And I won't say any more because I know a lot of people have not ridden it yet, but I highly recommend it. Um, and then from there, honestly, I usually just like to take a picture in front of the castle because there's something about, again, being there and looking at it and recognizing that this whole world was created from scratch. Really kind of as, as someone who, who likes to write and likes to create worlds and dream that that to me is such a, a goal, if you will. Yeah, it's funny. I generally speaking, I, I agree that I like diagonally better is the simplistic word, right? Like I like that it's fully immersive and it's, you know, you're not getting any, any other sort of sensory experience. That said, I'm a huge photographer, not of myself, because who wants to look at my face, uh, least of all me, um, but of things and places, right? Like landscape photography, right? That would be the definition. Yeah. And when I look at my th- literally thousands upon thousands upon thousands of photos I have, either on my computer or on my phone, my favorite ones are always in Hogsmeade. I love, I mean, the castle itself, I could quite literally spend all day just like yeah. going from like the edge of the bridge where the Jurassic kind of arch thing is all the way around to like the exit of the castle ride, right? Yeah. Like back by, by the back of the original hippogriff. Uh, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I could spend all day taking thousands of photos with every different angle, every different sun, every, like could do that. Love that. Hogsmeade when it's, even when it's crowded, because when it's crowded, I think there's still a lot of beauty that can be had in those photos just to show like the sheer mass of it all. But if you can get to Hogsmeade either at the very beginning of the day or the very end of the day when there's no one there, those photos, like I took one, I I, recently I've been using a lot of old photos that I have kind of stored up as content for my Instagram. Good plug, Mm -hmm. go follow my going khakis. And one of the ones I found the other week that I was really happy with, and you know, I didn't really think too much about originally was, just a random photo I took kind of from the Hogsmeade gate um, right by the train, kind of looking down the barrel of Hogsmeade. And what I love about it is like the castle kind of just was right there in the back and like stood out kind of like a beacon. Yep. And it's just a perfect angle and it's gorgeous. I know exactly where you were. St- yep. I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about. It's, it's beautiful. Um, yeah. yeah. I, and I love Hagride. Hagride was incredible. Um, I wish I could spend more time in the line for Hagride. Speaking of beautiful photography. I don't know if anyone's ever said that. I know. Well, that's, and, and to be fair, I think it's, it's more just that, like, I want to take all of the photos in that queue because they're beautiful. Yeah. And it's so detailed. And I mean, I, I'm sure you know this, but like, I discovered the other day that when you're in the room with the eggs, Mm-hmm. Um, which, uh, yeah, one of the eggs is the golden egg that Harry has from book two. I had no idea until somebody's like, oh yeah, there's a golden egg. And I was like, what the fuck? Hold on. I need a photo. Hang on. So there's just all these subtle little things that you wouldn't even think of. And I, so, and of course now, especially too, you have like the distinct places where you're supposed to stand with socially distancing, everybody kind of far apart and you don't really get it because ch- you're trying to pay attention to the next person in front of you. And some of the spacing is not exactly, it's, 
it's six feet always, which makes it kind of difficult. And some appear to be more than six feet. So you have to kind of turn around corners and peek around and see if there's somebody standing there, or if you're just waiting for nothing. Um, so you don't, you're, you're more focused on making sure that you're, you're moving in line. So I didn't get a chance to take a lot of photos. So I, and, and one of the things is that it just, it, this isn't in Hagride, but similarly, I finally figured out where the um, the tribute to Snape is, mm-hmm. and I wanted to go. I wanted to go look, but again, the lines were moving too quickly, or and, and I couldn't. I had to move to the next socially distanced spot, so I didn't get a chance right. to. And I was just. <sighs> I think it would be. I think it would be fun to spend time in Hagrid's queue, and then of course go on the ride. But yeah. take some time. Yeah. To to wrap up on Universal, uh, I will agree with you. The roller coasters are phenomenal. Uh, for many reasons, not least of which is none of them are thematically based on an incredibly racist 20th century Disney movie, which brings us into a conversation that I'd be remiss if I didn't have with you about Disney. Um, because in addition, again, to being uh, someone who loves Universal and all things Harry Potter, you also, I would argue probably more so than Harry Potter, um, are enamored with all things Disney, um, all things that aren't racist and bigoted and all that. Um, right. So <laughs> just talk to me about you know, generally speaking, I know you did you love Hollywood Studios, um, but talk to me just about the Disney experience. Um, you know, what what's special about it for you? Maybe any particular franchises that you love more than others, things like that. Yeah. Um, oh man, where do I where do I even start? So I have been. I mentioned this earlier. I've been going to Disney since I was 20 months old. Um, my father, ha, he came, I believe, and dad, correct me if I'm wrong later, I'm pretty sure that he was at the the opening of Disney World or he went within the first couple of weeks. Um, and it, it, he fell in love with Disney and he transferred that love to me at a very young age. So I grew up with all things Disney. That was the vacation that we went on every single year. Um, you know, we didn't go to the beach. We didn't go to Europe. We didn't go, you know, to, to California. We went to Disney and that's what we did. So that's kind of the the context here. I like to tell people that, um, you know, that I've gone too far by if I get that crazy look in my eye and you've totally lost my train of conversation because I will get that detailed. So Stephen, if that happens, please stop me because <laughs> you're the only one who can see me at this point. <laughs> but um, yes. So Hollywood Studios, I'll start favorite park. Hollywood Studios is my favorite park and has been my favorite park since I was a kid. Um, it has nothing to do with Galaxy's Edge. Um, although that is a phenomenal place and it is beautiful over there. Um, and full, full disclosure, I have not ridden Ride of, Rise of the Resistance yet. Um, I was not, I am not the type of person who will get up at three in the morning to go, to go ride a new ride as much as I love them. I will wait until it has been popular for a couple of years and then I'll check it out. So, uh, I, I loved Hollywood studios though. Like I mentioned for kind of that old school feel, the tower of terror uh, is one of my favorite things in the whole world because I love the twilight zone and I have loved the twilight zone for years and, uh, rock and roller coaster. I mean, I loved it because Aerosmith is fun and it's, uh, you know, kind of a wild, crazy out of place ride, but at the same time, uh, I love it because it's fast and it's fun and you get off that ride and you're like, I want to do that again. Uh, and what, you know, shameless, shameless pro tip. Um, you know, I don't know how things are going to be nowadays, but one of the things that you used to be able to do is during the pre-show for Aerosmith, um, there is a moment where, you know, they yell, um, usually the cast member will yell, how about some backstage passes? And then Steven Tyler in the pre-show will respond with, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. 
I love that idea. How about some backstage passes for everybody? And it's supposed to be like a call and response. But if you ask very nicely, sometimes the cast member will let you do it. So that to like, again, little things like that for me were what really sold Disney for me, the little touches. Um, and Universal is great about that too. Don't, don't get me wrong. I have friends who work for Universal and the little touches there are, are fantastic. But Disney, for some reason, it just, it's that Disney magic, if you will. Um, now, favorite, favorite franchises. I was gonna say, I'll stop with the parks for a second because I could go really, really deep into the parks very quickly. Um, but franchises, um, I mean... I, so I will full disclosure, I am, I am learning to be a Star Wars fan. It is something that I have seen. I've seen all the original movies. I just watched them. Hey, look at that. Just watched them for the first <laughs> time ever. There you go. See, I, I'd seen them, but it's been a really long time. And I, the, the newer movies, like episode one, two, and three, I distinctly remember people telling me were not great. So at that point, when you're like 14 and somebody's like, oh yeah, it's part of this like series that's really great, but this one's not great. You don't go see them. You go see something else like Pirates of the Caribbean, which is exactly what I did. So I'm learning to be a Star Wars fan. I'm getting there. Um, but franchises that I love, I absolutely adore, adore Stitch. I've got one right behind me. Actually, I have two right behind me. This one has the biggest ears I've ever seen in my whole life, which are just hysterical. Um, so, I mean, I love Stitch. Um, I love the Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, I am a big Marvel fan, but Guardians in particular are my favorite. And so I have similarly a stuffed Groot. Oops, not trying to not knock over my soda while I show you, but I have a stuffed Groot. Um, and I would say Winnie the Pooh is a big one for me because I love Eeyore. I have an Eeyore tattoo. Um, what else? I like don't even know where to begin with all of the different franchises because I truly, I, I like context, I organized my entire closet yesterday because again, I, I live at home. I work from home. I live in a hot spot. I don't have a whole lot to do when Hunter's at work. So I reorganized my closet and I reorganized my t-shirts and there is an entire section of Disney t-shirts. There are about 45 of them. So that's insane. Um, I else to say <laughs> on that, but that's insane. Let me ask this and I, you know, not, not to put you on the spot as like the kind of arbiter of, of all things Orlando. Right. But, if, if you're someone listening to this and wanting to take a trip down to Orlando to go to the parks, right? I, I get that it's kind of apples and oranges, right? Because it's completely, it's not like you're, it's not like they both have Harry Potter and they're both different Harry Potter experiences, but talk to me about the, the, the differences isn't necessarily the right word I want to use, but right. If you have to pick between, you know, going to Disney or Universal or maybe, Hey, I've got, a couple of days and how do I split it up in terms of where do I go? Right. Talk to me about your feelings on that. I love this question because I, I like to, and again, shameless plug. I love to help people kind of unofficially organize their, um, there's Disney universal vacations. So hit me up if you want some advice. Um, but that being said, for me, it, you're right. It's not like a difference in the sense of like, you know, you're comparing apples to oranges. Uh, you're comparing magic to mouses and that's very different. Um, that being said, I find that Disney for me, when Disney calls to me, which I know sounds so so silly and dramatic, but when Disney calls to me, um, it is because I have a distinct feeling of nostalgia. I want to go to my happy place. I want to go where somewhere where I feel like a kid, um, and I want to go somewhere where the expectation is that I'm I'm 
being treated like a kid and, and not in like a derogatory way, because to, to be honest, that is my biggest pet peeve is being treated like, you know, like I'm younger or I'm not as smart or I, I'm not as, I, I hate that, but that I don't, that's not what I mean here. What I mean here is more of like, you know, you want a pretzel, you go get a pretzel. You know, you, you have people who are waving to you and like telling you where to go and giving you directions. And it's very much a, um, you don't have to, you don't have to think about it in that sense. You are in a happy place where there's a bunch of really happy things and you don't have to worry about what's going on elsewhere. Whereas in Universal, I feel a little bit more immersed in the real world, so to speak. Um, and I find that Universal is more of a, um, a thrill experience. It's more of a, it, it's a different type of immersion. It's more of a, I'm, I know I'm still in the world that I grew up in, but I'm putting, I'm actively leaving that world to go somewhere else. Whereas Disney, it just kind of happens. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think it does. And it's funny. You talked about how you're fans of movies, not just because of the cinematic experience, but because of the production experience. I'm fans of theme park. I'm a fan of theme parks for the exact same reason. Um, right. And, and not to put too simplistic of a bow on that, but I think a lot of the reason for why those there's a difference there is Disney, you know, purchased all of the land around the parks. Right. And made it so, quite literally they had the space, they had the space to luxuriate as much as they wanted when building the parks and not bump into each other. And then there's things like the, you know, the tunnels underneath it. Every piece of the logistical puzzle for Disney was about create having the space, the literal space to breathe in those worlds. Whereas universal, and this is no shot that universal just a product of what they had to do, right? They're building it right on top of the highway, kind of, yeah. you know, like pretty close to, to, to greater Orlando. You and, can see Volcano Bay erupt from the highway. Right. Uh, oh, boy, there's a, that's a sentence. Um, <laughs> and, 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 but, you know, but that, that's just part of the reality. And it's not a knock at them. It's just what they had to do. Um, mm-hmm. But so to try to put a whole big bow tie on this entire conversation, of which I'm so appreciative that we got to have, and I'm, I'm thankful that you took time with us because I love this. Yeah. Um, we started the conversation by talking about what Harry Potter as a, concept as a series as a thing in your life meant to you kind of the first times you engage with it i'm curious how you feel about the franchise now and through a couple different lenses and they're not necessarily mutually exclusive right but through the lens a of like someone who has grown up and is engaging with the fandom and the series as an adult right as opposed to as a younger adult but you know a kid right you know in more or less right and then also of course it's hard to ignore you know the the British elephant in the room, you know, which is of <laughs> course everything that's been going on with JKR and, and her, her comments, her comments. Yes. Um, I won't throw any sort of journalistic uh, opinion on there. <laughs> I just say comments. Appreciate um, that. Yeah I'm, yeah. I'm just curious what the, what the series means to you now. Yeah. Um, and you're right. They're not the, my answers to both are kind of not mutually exclusive. Um, I think the, the bottom line for me is that, the Harry Potter franchise is something that, you know, JK Rowling wrote and she created, but this entire franchise has taken on a life of its own. And, you know, you see that with a lot of franchises, you see that with game of Thrones. I feel like a lot of people have kind of, um, I, I won't say George R. R. Martin because I don't th- I don't necessarily think he's the problem. I think it's more of the producers of that terrible show um, who totally destroyed. Like, and okay, I won't. The source the the source of the struggle there is George R. R. Martin, and here is why. Mm-hmm. 
because he can't finish the goddamn books. I know. If, if he had delivered Winds of Winter and then at least given them a manuscript for Dream of Spring, mm-hmm. right, the, the showrunners would have been able to do what they signed up to do, which is run a show. Yeah. They didn't sign up to write Game of Thrones fanfic. And yeah. so, look, they made a lot of shitty choices, and I'm not absolving them of those sins, but yeah. those sins rest on the foundational chassis that is George R. R. Martin not finishing the books. That's all right. to say, George R. R. guy, finish the damn books. I need something I need to read. Please continue. No, you're right. And, and as a side note, my partner's sister um, lives in New York and actually ran into him at like a release party for one of the books. And she she literally was like, what the fuck are you doing here? Go write the book. Why are you here? You have to write the book. So every, every single time I see him tweet about something or share a photo of him doing something in his little backyard with the pool and all the cacti or whatever, I'm like, dude, this is great. Go finish the damn book. Where's the pen? Where's the paper? Where's the right. typewriter? Whatever the hell you're doing on. Let's go. On a stopped gap computer. So you know he's not on it because he's tweeting. And if he was on his stopped gap computer, there would be no internet because that's how that works. That's all I'm saying is. Ugh. Okay. Yes. Anyway, but all that, all that being said, that, that's what I mean. It's like, you know, it's, it's one of those things where these series, I can love these series and I can love these characters and these concepts and these ideas independently of the person who created them. Um, and it's not to be like, not to throw this, you know, pull this out of nowhere, but like, I kind of see that the the same way I see a lot of political leaders, like not to throw him under the bus, but one good example is Gandhi. You know, Gandhi has a bunch of fantastic concepts about peace and about equality and about love and about, you know, all, all of these things that we really need in the world today. But Gandhi, I'm not going to go into it here, but go look him up. He was not the greatest person in the whole world. There were a lot of issues that he had with women and children. So that all being said, I can embrace the concepts that he created or he, you know, established and still look at him and be like, you are a trash person. And that's kind of where I'm at here. Um, It's one of those things where as a queer woman, as someone who actually identifies as not as a non-binary woman. Um, it, it, hearing those comments from someone who created something that I care and love so deeply was incredibly hurtful. Um, it was, it was someone who I thought was on my side who very clearly is not. Um, and of course, you know, this all being said, she's a celebrity. She has no idea who I am and that's okay. But that being said, it, it, it didn't hurt any less. Um, and I think what was important for me was holding on to that concept of these books were created for, you know, they're created by her, but they were created for me and for my generation. And if she's not willing to acknowledge that my generation um, is, as, uh, for lack of a better term, is as woke as we are, then that's not my problem anymore because her universe is expanding more quickly than she can put things in it. And that's a good thing in my mind. Yeah, it's funny, right? I've been, I've been thinking about this question a lot um, because, well, we ask all of our podcast guests this question and I think my answer definitely didn't, I won't say changes, but you know, it's all the same color, but the shade of the color changes every time I think about it myself. Right. And what's really interesting for me is when I think about what Harry Potter means to me now, I'm thinking about it through like, how do I engage with Harry Potter? Right. When I think about it, I haven't, I mean, I'll watch the movies if they're on TV or whatever, right? I won't go out of my way to watch them, but like, yeah, I'll turn it on. Like, I haven't intentionally actually read the books in a long time, at least a year or two. Yeah, me either. Right? For me, the Harry Potter experience is this podcast. It's talking with other fans and creators and friends. It's, 
in a world where we have normal events to go to, going to conventions, it's spending six and a half hours on a Saturday night watching a Harry Potter pin live sale by Amy and Iana, <laughs> right? It, it, it's quite literally the relationships and the experience of being communion with other people that makes up this thing for me, right? And so right. like when I jokingly say on here a lot, which I do, that something a blank is a social construct. The Harry Potter community quite literally is a social construct, right? And at this point, it's kind of jumped the shark in the sense for me, in the sense like, I don't really, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love some of the books and I'm not, you know, I'm not disavowing the books for the rest of my life. But for me, the community is not based on like the text anymore. Like my experience is based 100% on all these incredible people. And so that's kind of where I've landed on this. Yeah, and I and you know not to bring it back to Disney, but I'm going to bring it back to Disney for a hot second. But very similarly, I mean, if you go back, there are there are documented reports of Walt Disney saying some things that are racist and sexist, and there are, I will say, allegations of anti-Semitism. I wrote an entire paper in high school about how he actually was not anti-Semitic, but that's neither here nor there, and it's 25 pages. No one needs to read. So all that being said, people love Disney now. People don't, you know, it gets brought up a lot that he, you know, he said those things and he did those things, whatever they may be, however you want to view them what in through whatever lens. But all that being said, ultimately, that has Walt Disney World and Disney, you know, the Walt Disney Company has overcome, has, has encompassed Walt Disney as an individual. And so I feel very similarly about, you know, she who must not be named here. She she wrote the book, she created it, she said some terrible shit and we know it, but all that being said, she has she the the franchise has encompassed her. It has become something so much bigger and just because you created it it doesn't necessarily mean it is yours forever. You, if you create something for an audience, it becomes for them too. That's a beautiful note to leave it on, so I'm just going to leave it on that. Uh, let's wrap up by calling out some of those amazing people that make up this community that we know and love. Um, Alana, do you have any ready to go for your creator shout outs or would you like me to stall for you by giving mine? I would love for you to casually stall for me for a hot second. Wonderful. So I have two for this episode. I could probably name at least five or six of people who I've come across in, in the past couple weeks here that have stuck in my head, but I'll leave it at two. So the first, and I am going to mispronounce your name, and I am sorry about that. That's just not something I am talented at on this podcast. Uh, Yadira, who is at youarmagic.co.co, an Orlando, Florida person who is a Nick URN. So first of all, I have to imagine you are working your tail off right now. Uh, So thank you for everything you're doing. Uh, Truly, thank you. Um, That's incredible. but yeah, your your profile is incredible. I just came across it the other week. I love all the park photos you have. Uh, there's probably like 10 or 12 of those. You have those nerdy ink Harry Potter covers that I am just obsessed with. I love those. And the photos are really done like stylishly. That's cool. Um, and yeah, I just, I love your, I love your profile. Um, looks like you're on the precipice here of doing a whole lot of new cool things with your, with your social feed. So I'm excited to see where that goes. Uh, thank you for being you. Uh, I appreciate it. And then my second shout out for this episode is if my profile wants to load. There we go. Um, Sarah Alley, which is S-A-R-A-A-L-L-I-E, uh, who is a self-proclaimed blogger, baker and cake artist, little sister, dimple face, Potterhead Gryffindor, uh, which is just great. 
your profile is outstanding. Let me tell you. So there are just so many cool colors going on here. There's tons of Funko Pops, and the Funkos are great. I, I'm a big fan of Funkos here. Funko Funko Pro Podcast. Or no, Pro Funko Podcast. There we go. That's the phrase. Um, yeah, I just love all the colors you've got going on here. It's just, it's vibrant. It's happy. It's uplifting. Um, yeah, so keep doing what you're doing. Really love it. Um, and those are my two shout outs for the day. Alana, um, have you encountered yours or do you need me to tell a, a bad joke? I, I have a couple. Um, so the first is uh, I mentioned Halloween Horror Nights. I mentioned how much I adore Halloween Horror Nights. Um, so one of the big kind of draws for me is that there is a show that happens every year at Halloween Horror Nights uh, hosted by a dance troupe called Academy of Villains. Um, now, usually when I say that it's a dance troupe that performs in Florida, everyone immediately jumps to the good place and they think of what's his bucket. Um, and they immediately are like, that sounds like a terrible idea, but let me tell you how wonderful Academy of Villains is. Um, they've been coming for, I think five years now. Don't quote me on that, but, uh, I was introduced to them about two years ago. I saw their kind of their cyberpunk show, loved it, thought it was super cool. They do the thing with the, the slack lines. So they are actually doing like, air, like aerial tricks while they're dancing, which was so cool. And then this year, you know, I was like, okay, that was pretty cool. So we'll go see them again this year. This year they did a show called Altered States. It was based on like a Jekyll and Hyde story. And it was the most incredible thing. I like, I regularly watch the recorded versions of it live on YouTube because I, I like, I love it so much and I miss it so much that it, I, I watch it all the time. Um, and so I want to shout them out. Um, their Instagram handle is just Academy of Villains. And I want to also shout out their creator. Uh, his Instagram handle is underscore Farside, as in like P-H-A-R-S-I-D-E. Um, and you know, he's the guy who he's the CEO, he created Academy of Villains and he constantly will give kind of teasers and updates. He recently founded, uh, kind of like a satellite AOV as they're known in Las Vegas. So they're expanding. Um, so I would keep an eye on them. They're really great. Then I want to shout out a friend of mine. Um, her name is Sarah and she, uh, runs the PhD princess. Um, so that's the PhD princess. She, uh, is obviously getting her PhD. Um, she's a huge, huge Disney fan. But what I appreciate is that she will post something about Disney, whether it be a ride or a show or a movie, and then she'll get into the science of it. Um, so she'll talk about something, you know, like maybe the logistics of the the physics of a ride, or she'll talk about, you know, a famous scientist who, you know, helped, you know, with with alligators with respect to Tiana. I think was one she did recently. So like, she's very good at connecting the dots, and she's very good at making Disney smart for lack of a better word. And I, I just love her posts. It was also her birthday last week. So, you know, shout out, happy birthday. Um, and then also, final- I, well, I want to say real yeah. quick while we're talking about her, cause I just happened to, to, to scroll through here. Yeah. For instance, to, 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 Oh, here's a really good one to illuminate your point. Uh, she has one post here from semi recently from April of 2020, where the, the hook in the caption is how many light bulbs does it take to decorate Cinderella's castle? And it's this whole long post about how many LED bulbs, the science of LED lights and the efficiency. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's really cool. How much electrical cable it takes. Like she, she hooks you in with something cute and clever and then she immediately brings you into the science of it, which I, I really appreciate because that's the kind, that is the level of detail of Disney that I get into regularly. So the fact that she does it, but with a science twist makes me, makes me really happy and gives me some more material for later on. And you are the Disney detail diva after all. 
I am. Yep. My handle shameless plug is the Disney detail diva. Feel free to follow me. Um, I will admit I'm taking a brief hiatus just with everything going on in the world with COVID and with the, you know, the racial injustices and the, you know, the, the anti-police movement. I, I will admit I am an empath and I have a lot of feelings as, as evidenced by, if you've listened to this podcast, you can probably pick that up already. Um, so I've taken a little bit of a break, but I will be back. I have so much material. I recently hacked into my old hard drive, so I have all of the throwback photos of Disney and Universal. Um, but uh, yes, that is the Disney Detail Diva. And then finally, oh, oh, I have two. I'm sorry. Two more I want to shout out. The first is, um, her name is Manda. She is a photographer in the Orlando area. She does weddings. She does engagement photos. She does just regular photo shoots. But she regularly does photos that have a Harry Potter twist. She calls them her magic shots. Um, so she'll edit in things like the invisibility cloak or some sparks from a wand or kind of really whatever you want. And they're, they're beautiful. They're absolutely gorgeous. Um, and I have, I have photos with her. I've taken photos. I am shamelessly endorsing. Um, and then the very last one, um, let's see if I can pull it up. I just want to make sure I get the handle right. There she is, is my friend Sandra. Um, Sandra is one of the sweetest and most wonderful humans I know. She is a Universal fan. She is a Disney fan. She's a former Disney employee. Um, her handle is Park Hop Princess. And she she also just um, her entire newsfeed, just like like scrolling through it right now, is just bright, full of pastel photos of Disney characters. Um, you know, she had a she did a whole series of photos that were a little bit more dark themed. They have a little bit more of a of a um, a tint that's a little bit more you know dark or creepy that surround kind of the Hocus Pocus photos and Merida. Um, but it's just she takes the most beautiful photos and she goes to Disney a lot. She was there yesterday and the day before. I think she might be there today. Uh, so follow her as well and give her a hi. Cause like I said, she's just the absolute sweetest person in existence. So I am so glad that one of your shout outs was for a person named Amanda, because that reminds me that when I was talking at the beginning of this podcast, but all the people I know who live in Florida and I'm sure I'm leaving people out, blah, 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 blah. One person I a hundred percent left out and I know where they live too is Amanda Rollins, aka Magic Under the Stairs. Y'all may know her as the immaculate Lav Lav Lavender Brown cosplayer. Um, She lives over on the east coast of Florida. It's somewhere, I forget the specific town, but it's like in between uh, like Daytona and St. Augustine in that kind of realm. Uh, She's always at the parks. She's also a Disney person. Oh, and um, oh my God, I'm remembering so many people now. Um, I want to make sure I get Susan's Instagram right. It's like just a sunshine love or something like that. Susan, I'm so sorry. I'm getting it wrong off the top of my head. Also, um, while we're stalling, I can uh, shamelessly plug my personal Instagram as well. If oh, anybody wants to, f- I was say, if anybody wants to follow me as a human, um, I full disclosure, as you've probably figured out from the, you know, hour or so that we've been talking, I swear a lot. Um, and I have a lot of feelings about social justice and Disney. Um, so there's a lot of that, but if you want to follow me as a person, my Instagram is Alaner. That is a L as in llama, a, um, W, then make sure I can spell my own handle. Um, A L A W N as in Nancy E, and then three R's as in Richard. A yeah, and, we'll, and we'll include all. Don't worry to all the thousand listeners out there. We'll include <laughs> all these in the kind of comments and tags for the episode. Um, yeah, I am so sorry. I forgot about Just the Sunshine State of Mind, who is one of my favorite people. Is incredible in the kitchen. Is a Disney fiend and a Universal addict. 
Um, she is based in Orlando, I believe. She's not like someone who, and no shots any Hodu, but she's not someone who like, drives for a couple hours away, right? She's like right there. Yeah. Um, and she has a lot of good tips. It looks like, I'm not tips, but she has a lot of good videos and kind of walkthrough posts about Disney's reopening as well as Universal's reopening. So uh, just a sunshine state of mind. You are great. Um, everyone's great. I know I'm missing more people. I feel bad about that, but. I know I'm trying to find more people and I'm, I'm um, look, I think I, I think I just named like seven or eight Harry Potter slash Disney Florida people. I know, you know Gerald um, Dapper minister of magic is in Florida and he's outstanding. And we love him. Did we shout out Mari yet? I think, yeah, we I shouted out Mari earlier. Oh, Mari's gotten plenty of love from this podcast. Mari okay, good, Mari. good, good. Uh, <laughs> so, so look, before I, I stumble, my, my, stumble my way through forgetting about anyone else, let's just call it a wrap there. Alana, this was so lovely. I am so excited for the rest of this community whom you don't yet know to get to know you and to get to love you the same way I do. Um, Because you are wonderful and you are happiness and light and love and people, people, y'all need to get on the, the Alana train real quick here. I appreciate that. I adore you. I, this was so much fun. I, I love talking about Harry Potter. I love to nerd about about any of the things I like to nerd out about Disney, Universal, um, Beetlejuice. I there there are so many nerdy things that I would love to chat about. So yeah, if anybody else wants to be my friend, I I would love to love to to share the love, if you will. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah, you're fantastic, and I loved this. This was great. Yeah, so for the listeners, don't let this be the last time that you speak with Alana or hear from Alana if you're interested in anything she said. She may be a stranger, but I promise she doesn't bite unless you give her consent to. So uh, <laughs> go check her out on all the socials, Alana, uh, Disney Detail Diva. Um, and I'll keep everybody updated as, you know, as the parks do reopen, as Florida figures out what the hell's going on down here. Um, I will be keeping people updated and I'll happy to be happy to keep this podcast updated. You know, but you know how things go. Love that. All right, Danny, this is where uh, you, you cut the episode and you publish it and we get all the love. So cut.